Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the Liz Podcast brought to you by ReliBank and the Man Salon. I am Jeff Turn and always excited to be joined by Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm going to sprinkle one Grizzlies question as it pertains to the Denver Nuggets in the NBA Finals. But the rest, yeah. this is like a first for us, Eric. We aren't talking Grizzlies. We're going to do a list on the top 10 NBA Finals of all time. And okay. we like to sprinkle in a little top five of something else. And that's going to be the top hotels we've ever stayed in. Now, I don't get to go to the hotels on the on the Memphis Grizzlies dive. So you, pro- <laughs> you probably stayed in some nicer, yeah, some nicer digs than me. But uh, welcome into the List Podcast, buddy. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just kind of uh, getting ready for game one tonight. So I, I was hoping to be working tonight. And at one point during the year, we thought there was a possibility of that, but then injuries and uh, off the court stuff kind of derailed that. So, well, and I wanted to ask you just for context wise, because we see how Denver gets to go to their first NBA finals and what that means right now yeah. to the city of Denver and the 40 some years of that franchise. What would that mean to a place like Memphis and the city of Memphis to have oh. the Grizzlies one day make the NBA finals? It'd be huge. I mean, I can just I can recall when Penny or when not Penny, but when the Memphis Tigers and then a lot of people think Penny Hardaway had a chance has a chance to get them back to that with the the way he can recruit. But when John Calipari took the Tigers to the NCAA title game with Derrick Rose and they lost to Kansas after leading, I'll never forget that day. Just the anticipation of that Monday night game. And being downtown, being in a place that was normally a nightclub, not really a nightclub, but a bar with bands. And, you know, I don't want to say nightclub, like bottle service, like Vegas style nightclub, but just like a, a place that you went to go hang out, a bar. Um, it wasn't a sports bar. And they had a projection screen TV and there were 500 people in that place. Wow. And the minute Mario Chalmers hit the bank three to send it to overtime, there were 60 people in there because Memphis fans have this notion of the world's out to get them in sports. So they kind of <laughs> gave up on it. But I do remember a guy walking through going, I can't believe we're going to win the national title. And his buddy goes, there's three minutes less. You, you blank, you know, you blank holy <laughs> like that you just jinxed us. So, uh, but the anticipation was unbelievable. So I think it would be the same. I think there's certainly enough talent uh, in the Grizzlies organization. If they are, healthy and you know doing the right things obviously we know what's kind of gone on in the offseason sure sure um that they can compete for that and i think people are it would be mind-blowing now denver's obviously been in the nba a little bit longer than the grizzlies they've had more opportunities and it's great for them i mean that's a that's a fan base that i remember even going uh to the pepsi center then now it's the ball center when they were off i mean they just they knew they were going to be awful was the year that before they got carmelo anthony Yet they still had 15,000 people at the game because they were there to cheer on a team that was working hard and, and doing everything that they were asked to be done. Now, was it sold out? Was it this raucous environment? No, but when they got good, uh, it was. And so I'm happy for them because I thought after I saw them on December 23rd, that was the game before the Grizzlies went to San Francisco to play their first Christmas Day game against the Golden State Warriors. I thought they were the best team I had seen so far. And then I saw them again in March in that infamous trip. And it was remarkable to watch them in that game because I think the first game Jamal Murray did not play, but I still went, boy, they're, especially with a healthy Murray, they're going to be really, really tough. Um, 
the Grizzlies and Nuggets, it was kind of like, a, okay, this could be a Western Conference Finals preview. And the Nuggets flipped the switch and just pounded the Grizzlies. Now the Grizzlies pounded the Nuggets here in Memphis. Um, and that's part of the home court advantage thing, which is why I think eventually they're probably going to hoist that banner. It's just an awful lot for Miami to have to overcome the travel uh, going from Miami to Denver and, and changing into that altitude mentality where it does take a toll on your body. So we'll see. I think it's going to be great. I, it's Miami's a terrific story. I think Eric Spolster has proved he's a Hall of Fame level coach. And I think Michael Malone has proved that Sacramento Kings made a giant mistake letting him go years ago. And, and the yep. Nuggets are yep. the beneficiary of that. Yeah, certainly going to be an uh, interesting NBA Finals. We, we, we know for a fact that uh, Denver can score the basketball. We'll see if Miami can score the basketball as much to stay right. with that. But the heat culture is certainly real. And, you know, hopefully one day, man, you are calling the NBA Finals because I think it'd mean a lot to a city that loves Love the hoops to. there yeah. in Memphis. No All right, man, so, so here's how the list podcast works. We got our list, top 10, top five, as I mentioned, top 10 NBA okay. Finals brought to you by Reliant Bank and the Man Salon. And I'm going to let you go first, 10 through 6, and then I'll give my 10 through 6, and we'll go 5 through 1. So what do you have as your 10 through 6 NBA Finals of all time? 10 through 6, I would put uh, me. Uh, one of them is the the 83 Sixers sweeping the Lakers. It was the year after they got in Moses Malone. I was a big Dr. J fan, and Dr. J had gone to the NBA Finals three previous times, upset by Portland. The Magic Johnson rookie year, which is also, by the way, on my list, but it's in the top five. Um, but they were they just blew through the NBA that year. And so that one with Moses Malone there, that was there. Is that I the one where put, he did the, the cradle dunk on Michael Cooper? Is that the No, I think that, that was, was the, the 81. That was the 81. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. No, so okay. that was yeah, that's the one they lost. Um, I would go, in all honesty, I think that the I and and again, sweep. Uh, which is why I'm not there. I would say the second Rockets championship when they won in 1995, because the year against the Knicks got kind of overshadowed by all the thing. That was a great series, but that rock, that magic year was like, everybody thought Shaq Penny and Nick Anderson misses two free throws and it all come, came unraveled and yeah. it vindicated the Rockets for what they did the year before. And I thought that was terrific for them. Um, for me then after that, two, uh, the other three in my top five, um, I put that San Antonio loss to Miami in there where they lost game six. Like literally Miami fans are leaving. San Antonio really has never lost. Miami fans are leaving the arena going, hey, telling a TV announcer, oh, it just wasn't our year. You know, we'll, we'll get them next year. And Ray Allen lifts his heel and makes a three and sends it to game seven and they win. So I put that Miami one there. And then I think uh, one of my top ten was Dallas upsetting Miami. The, really? the first years with LeBron. Well, Dirk Nowitzki, you know, vindicates his legacy of a 30,000 point score by winning a championship for the Miami Heat or for against the Miami Heat, the team that knocked them off previously with Dwayne Wade. And that was the time, you know, when the Grizzlies that year that Miami beat Dallas um, or that Dallas beat Miami was what changed the entire playoff structure. Because if you remember, Dallas had the second best record. Denver was the third seed because they won the Northwest, but they were 500. The Grizzlies had the third best record. And back then it was just straight conference division winners. And then yep. the, the best the, records. That after. Those were the top three. And so Denver was going to be the three seed. The Clippers tanked their last game to get the six seed because they would have home court advantage because they had a better record than Denver. The Grizzlies 
were out of it. So the Mavericks became four with the second best record in the West. And the Grizzlies, I think, had the fourth best record in the West. And they were the fifth seed. And so they should have essentially in today's day, they would have hosted a playoff series. Instead, they got upset by Dallas. And Dallas paid back Miami for knocking them off earlier. Uh, I remember know, that series yeah. too, Eric. That was the one where like LeBron and D Wade were sort of laughing about Dirk, and and then Dirk's like, yeah. oh, "Okay, well, who's gonna be laughing at the end?" And you know, there's always some animosity be- yeah, between yeah. them after that. They eventually sort of had a kumbaya, but I remember that was a, a, a awesome part of that finals. Dirk said, "I got something for you." Uh, for <laughs> me, and that's what three. So my fourth one in there is the Warriors' first title with this run. They beat Cleveland four games to two. For me, that one stung probably the most in terms of the playoffs because I thought if Mike Conley is not, ha- you know, not having to wear a mask because he broke his face in the Portland series in round one, um, they have a, you know, they they have a much better chance. And so, uh, Draymond Green after Game Six said, and then after the finals even said, that's the toughest team we played. That Grizzlies team was the toughest team we played. So that vindicated to me. And then I would go, you know, I I think I like seeing guys that haven't been there before. So for me, um, I would throw a toss up that would probably be towards 10, either Milwaukee or Toronto. But I think Toronto for me is a little more special because of Kyle Lowry, because of Marcus All and the ties to Memphis. And because of the fact that that year, no one really recognized that not only did they add Kawhi Leonard, they added Danny Green. Yep. I mean, they gave up DeMar DeRozan essentially for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. No offense to Jakob Pertl, but Jakob Pertl was replaceable at that point in his career. He was he was just a backup big giving you 16 minutes a night behind Jonas Valanciunas. They shipped Valanciunas to Memphis in the middle of the year, grabbed Marcus Saul. So they basically flopped Valanciunas and DeMar DeRozan for Marcus Saul, Kawhi Leonard, and Danny Green, three of the best defenders in the game at the time. And still, when we got to the playoffs, people were like, Toronto might make a run. They make that incredible corner shot. They get in there. And for me, it was special. I got to be at game six. I grew up going to the old Oracle Arena with my father. He had passed away a year before. And uh, being there for game six, which was the final game in that building, made it special for me. So that's why that's one, that one's in my top ten. You know, and, and personally, I would – so on the outside looking in for me, Warriors first title, uh, Bulls in the Blazers. I remember watching that with family yeah. as a kid. And I think a lot of the ties to what make the finals so great for all of us is what we were doing or who we were with or, or what it meant to us. Right. And so for me, like, I have a couple here that are pre-85 when I was born. But for the most part, it's what I've seen, what I've watched. And you mentioned that one. How about this one for, for Game 6? I was hosting a Legends for Kids event here in Sioux Falls. And I got to watch the last quarter and a half sitting next to Bill Walton in a room with me, my father-in-law, Bill Walton, and two other people. And we watched the yeah, last quarter awesome. and a half. Dude, it was, I mean, exceptional, man. The commentary, Bill Walton's over there, like he's eating some like healthy crap and putting some, you know, fruity stuff in his drinks and telling us about basketball. I'll never forget it. All right, number 10 for me, 1988, Lakers and Pistons. Isaiah Thomas, that was the that was the year with the ankle, and he had that spectacular Straight ankle. Yeah, scored all those points, I believe, in Game Six. They come back, and he just wasn't right. They didn't win. Lakers win in seven. Nineteen ninety seven, Bulls and Jazz, and I think that's for me yeah. one of the reasons I love that final so much was the flu game turned out to be maybe the bad pizza game, uh, but right. uh, whatever it was, you know that one that one will always be a, a big memory for me watching as a kid, and and you know the Bulls end up facing the Jazz. 
the following year, which I'll get to in a minute. 2010, and, and I really wanted to maybe put that 08 one because I watched so many times Kevin Garnett fall short in Minnesota and then win with the Celtics. Right. But I actually thought the one a couple of years later when the Celtics and Lakers rematched and Kobe got the better of uh, the, the Celtics then and he did it without Shaq. I know he had, you know, Pau Gasol, but to get it without Shaq and to do it against the Celtics and he was the MVP of that series. He was spectacular. Yeah. 2010 Lakers there. Good one. Uh, n- number seven. 1994, you brought it up, uh, Rockets and Knicks. And the reason, and I, I agree with you, the vindication of, hey, the, the, the Rockets were for real. It wasn't just because Jordan wasn't there. The, the next the next championship. But winning that against the Knicks in seven, that, that series, it felt like the Knicks were finally going to get that win. Patrick Ewing right. had that shot, and he missed it. Um, 94, right. seven games, eight-seed Knicks. We got the eight-seed Heat. We'll see how they do in this finals. And then this is the one where I go way back, and I didn't watch it, but I feel like I've watched it because it's been on every highlight. Every time you talk about somebody injured and they come back and play, 1970, Willis Reed, Knicks, Game 7, yeah. comes back against the Lakers. And, and you know, like I said, I, I, I wasn't alive 15 years before my time, but I feel like I've watched that one as much as the NBA Finals, at least that game right. and Willis Reed coming back. I have that at number six. Uh, what do you have, five through one? So five, I have 1970. Because if you're a basketball fan, you know 1970, you know Willis Reed coming off of there, just coming off the bench and the the amazing performance that he made. So I put that as fifth because, I, like you, I didn't see it. It was two years before I was born. Um, but just what an incredible performance. And it's really, it, you know, they're in New York, so they're always going to be talked. But we talk about the Knicks like they're this bell cow franchise. That's the last championship they won. Isn't that crazy? That's the last time they won a title. Yes, crazy. they've been in the finals, but that's the last time they won a title. And everybody it's more acts about like Madison is. Square Garden than it is about the Knicks, yeah. man. Like you know, which that's by, that's yeah, more which, about that. Which, by the way, is an interesting place to say the least. <laughs> I have at number four. I have the '91 Finals because, like you talking about the Jordan stuff, I was driving home, or I was where was I? No, I was not. I was leaving for college. I was watching in the Bay area with my father and the move. And obviously it's the, the one of the most classic Marv outlines, a spectacular move where he hangs doesn't need to scoop to his left because all the Lakers are like, this dude's like way above us. <laughs> he thinks AC green's going to block his shot, goes back to his left and scoops. And it was their first title growing up a Michael Jordan fanatic after Dr. J retired, seeing him win his first championship was super special. So I, I put that one at four. Now for me, it's a painful one, but the performance in 1980 is why I put it at number three for, for magic Johnson, even though I was a Dr. J guy and they beat Dr. J and the, and the Sixers to which nobody thought they would for magic Johnson to step in and fill in for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, go 40 plus points and play center and win not only win, win on the road. And the reason I put it at three is because I look at what that did for the league. Because if you watch the winning time, and that's why I really like that series, and I know Jerry West doesn't like that series, but we'll get into that another day. <laughs> that Laker team was amazing, but it changed the, it changed the basketball world. Basketball took center stage. Now you had this exciting team. Now you had these guys in L.A. 
that not only were playing an exciting brand of basketball, you had an owner that was living this playboy-like lifestyle that everybody now wanted to be a part of. And the people that weren't a part of it, like the Celtics, who were more of a blue-collar team. And Philly was kind of a mix of blue-collar but pizzazz because they had Doc and they had Daryl Dawkins breaking backboards and they had Andrew Tony and they had scores. So they were kind of the, comb- the, the meld of the two. It brought the it brought the common fan to the game. It made it fun. So I put that one at three. Number two, because it's legacy, and, and obviously there are so many you can choose. I think LeBron coming back from 3-1 against the, the Warriors, the block on Andre Iguodala, vindicating that he didn't have to have Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, winning one for a city like Cleveland, which was just desperate for any sort of championship. He went back there. He fulfilled his legacy to live the promise there, was able to then leave without people screaming and yelling at him. But being down 3-1 to them, and now everybody goes, oh, well, Draymond Green, if he doesn't get suspended, I'm like, hold on, timeout, kids. Draymond Green was suspended for one game. They still had to win three in a row. Yes, Yes. yes. So this was not like, yes, did he get baited into it? Sure. Did it change the complexion of the game? Absolutely. You were the Warriors. You had a chance to win that. You, you, you thought it was over. Like, you watched them in that game five where he blocks that shot against Andre Iguodala. They think they've got him. You can see that confidence flowing. We've already won one. We know what it takes. We've got this. And that's just where LeBron, to me, cemented his legacy. And all these people that always want to point out, Michael never lost a finals. Yeah, Michael never lost a finals. And Michael didn't have a team that went out and bought players like that brought them in free agent wise they developed Pippen they developed Grant they did go get Scott or they did go get Dennis Rodman after Grant left but he also played around Hall of Famers LeBron's first years in Cleveland like the first time they went to the finals Booby Gibson on they can't even people can't even remember who was there like you're you're naming more than most Cleveland Cavaliers fans will name that aren't diehard fans <laughs> right so and, and, you know, that's probably a little inaccurate. But common fan, they're not going to remember Zydrunas Ogowskis, Wally Zerbiak being part of that team, Booby Gibson, like you said, guys around there. I mean, who's I, – I even forget his name. Uh, the kid that played at Houston, he played for the University of Houston, Damon Jones. Damon Jones. He, every, every year's NBA All-Star game cheerleader for every one of the All-Stars. Yes. David yes. Jones made himself a, a lot of money being friends with the, the, the best player. He was on that team, I believe. So for him to go back to Cleveland and win one, that's there. But to me, the greatest final series of all time, and the reason is it was the heyday of the rivalry. It was just basketball to me at its highest level, bird and magic in their prime, 1984. You know, you could combine 84 and 85 because I believe 84, the Celtics win – and then, then 85, the Lakers come the back. Lakers win. Yep. Those yep. two years, I go 84 first because it that 84 Celtics team was just absurd. I mean, they they just destroyed, they humiliated teams. And then the Lakers get them, and it's seven games. And I remember watching that as a kid, just going, This is the coolest thing ever. Even though my Sixers were eliminated and they were the defending champions, I hated both of those teams and I couldn't get enough of it. So the 84 finals to me in my generation is the greatest finals that I ever saw. 
Eric Hasseltine, Voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, The List Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Find it in all those places. Brought to you by ReliBank, multiple locations in the 605. Check them out, Hartford Humble T, ReliBank.com for all your banking needs. And picking up where you just left off, I have it at five. I could make the argument it's anywhere from five to one, but the 84 one. I mean, what I remember about that, and you speak about sort of highlights we always see. Remember, that was the series where Mikhail just decked Rambis and like oh, it changed the whole series. Out. Took the yeah, change took because the Lakers were up in that series, and then that yeah. happened, and it, it all changed the complexity yeah. of it. The Lakers were like, damn, we got hit in the mouth, man. What the hell? And, and the Celtics right. just put the foot down and ended up winning that series. 85, same thing. You can put that there as well. And number four for me, and this is sort of nostalgic for me as well. I I just wanted Charles Barkley to win a championship so bad. Oh, yeah. Dan Marley, you know, Kevin Johnson and 1993. Uh, the Bulls yes. and the Suns, and it felt like I, – I i don't know. Like, from that point on, I felt like the Suns had the best chance, whether it was the Sonics, the Suns, those two years against the Jazz. I just felt like that that Suns team had enough talent and pieces around them to win. They didn't, but I have that at number four. I remember watching every one of those games. Then it, at number three, I have the 1998 finals, and it was just because of the shot from Jordan, the last one he was yeah. in. Um, You know, it felt like – Felt like that year the Jazz were going to beat them too. It really did. Right. And 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 the Jazz were finally going to get over the hump, and they were going to do it against the Bulls who beat them the year before. And then Jordan knocks down that shot on Russell, and the rest is history. At number yeah. two, I have the 2013 one that you brought up earlier. You had it a lot farther back than I did, but the Heat and the Spurs. And yeah, because I felt like if if they don't win that, that thing's a wrap between right. like LeBron and that thing's all blown up. Like you mentioned. The Heat fans were already halfway to South Beach, uh, thinking about my ties and not thinking about Game Seven. And right, Game Six exactly. was Game Six was that that game because Game Seven felt like the Heat sort of had you know a comfortable lead through most of that that game. Yeah, but yeah, game right out, game, yeah, yeah, Game Six may lifts his heels, knocks it down. Chris yeah. Bosh got that rebound and kicked it to him. Um, and I'm such a LeBron fan, I, I could find myself going anytime LeBron made the finals. Even that year where he drugged Matthew Dellavedova and. And they 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 tried to come back against the the Warriors when they won, and you know they didn't have love or they didn't have Irving. I could have put that right. in the top ten. And then at number one, man, you brought it up. I think you had it at number two, but with LeBron and and the Cleveland stuff and the comeback versus the Warriors, fifty two year drought for Cleveland, right? <laughs> and they win the championship, man. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm probably re- you know recency biased because of how you know recent we watched that one, but sure. it just felt like again. LeBron was never going to get over the Warriors. They just had too much firepower. And that's the one where they the Warriors lose, and they're like, we got to go get Kevin Durant. We can't beat LeBron with a full right. team. And, you know, the fact that he did it for Cleveland, that moment, this is for Cleveland, this is for you, all the stuff he was saying, uh, ranks number one for me. But there's so many moments, and maybe, hey, man, you know, I bet a lot of people, if they look back, would have said 94, Rockets, Knicks, 95. We never would have thought those would make – but they turned out to be interesting storylines and series that we will always remember. So maybe the Heat and the Nuggets can deliver as well. All right, man, so let's get to our top five here. Uh, Hotels that we've ever stayed in. I love love doing these unique ones as well. We've done best late-night snacks. We've done best summer activities, barbecue stuff, all kinds of fun stuff. We're your top five hotels. I know you travel all the time during the season. And as I mentioned, I'm not traveling on an NBA dime, so I'm, you know, some of mine might not be as prestigious, but – I'll have you do five through three, and then we'll go two through one. So, what are your top? What, what's your five through three? Uh, all right. So, I'm going to put 
the Ritz Carlton in Orlando at five. What's so nice? When you can wake up and walk out on your balcony in February and it's 82 degrees <laughs> and there's a prestigious golf course and million dollar homes. It's nowhere near it's it's closer to SeaWorld than Disney. But it's just the, the hotel itself, like you walk in the lobby, there's this giant bar right there. I remember during that year where Toronto won the title, they were staying there when they played the Magic in round one. And the Grizzlies didn't make the playoffs. I so went I to that series, to actually. I was yeah, at, I was I at to, that series. I went down to Orlando and saw game three. And my friend that's the – I was at game fan. three. That's hilarious. I was at yeah, game three. Orlando, was, Orlando yeah. was rocking. Rocking, I mean, dude. It was, that was the it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and my buddy is the trainer for the Raptors. Obviously, knowing Mark and knowing Kyle um, from their days with Memphis, but I met up with them at that hotel, and I was like, "Boy, I wish we stayed here." And then I got in my room, and I'm like, "Yeah, I, like you're kind of far away from everything. You got an Uber, but you yeah. really don't need to go anywhere because the bar, <laughs> the pool, it's just it's terrific." So I say the Ritz in Orlando is my fifth. Um, I go the Post Oak in Houston, okay, which is. Uh, the new one that Tillman Fertitta owns. Again, a place you don't need to leave the property. The pool's beautiful. They got a fantastic steakhouse. They got a great sports bar with terrific wood-fired pizza and all this stuff. So I, I really like it, but there's really nothing around it but the hotel itself. So let me give you an idea of what it is. They have a center uh, island, and you push a button, and uprises a double-sided TV. So you can watch one TV in your bed, and the other TV is on the other side for the couch. Oh, that's slick. So, and they're on different remotes. So someone right. can, like, if you're there with two people, someone can be doing that. So I had one TV on something where I'm working, and, but the, the thing stays up. Now, I will say this. If you ever stay there, it will not stop if your finger's in the way, and that is granite driving into granite. So your <laughs> finger will get destroyed. So it was a little nerve-wracking. But the, we've had a great time there. We actually watched uh, our first year staying there. Uh, we watched the Memphis Gonzaga game in the tournament, the the one where uh, with Chet Holmgren was still there. It was a couple yep. years ago. Jalen Duran, a um, lot of draft picks, and we were there. We were some of the only Memphis guys, but it was a blast. And I bet. Let's just say there's not a shortage of uh, money that goes through there. There's like a really fancy car showroom across the way that's got cars that are probably in the 500 to $600,000 range. And you can just go look at these vehicles and they're beautiful. It's just an experience. So I, I put that at, uh, at four and then at three, I go, boy, this is hard for me to put it there, but I'm going to put the St. Regis, San Francisco. Okay. So I love the St. Regis, San Francisco. Uh, the first time I got there, you can control everything, your drapes and everything from your room. The, the shower's fantastic, right? by Moscone Center. It's just beautiful. And they've redone it. And um, it's walking distance to the Market Street, which is where a lot of shops yep. are. It's yep. a short Uber ride to the Buena Vista, the home of the Irish Coffee. And it's and it's San Francisco. And now where the Chase Center is, it's only a couple miles away. So you can go out the door, go left and walk to AT&T Park or, you know, whatever, Oracle Baseball Park now, Giants game. So when we played the Warriors in the playoffs last year, we just walked out and went to a couple Giants games, and you can walk to practice when it's nice out, when it's not you know forty-seven degrees, because you do walk by the water and it gets colder. So, but it's beautiful. St. Regis, San Francisco, would be my number three. All right, so I always, I always kind of, um, 
kind of rank hotels on a couple of things. Number one, what they look like in the room, what the lobby looks like. Yeah, showers are big for me, man. Like if you yeah, got a huge. gorgeous shower, good huge. good water pressure, like you're gonna yeah. move up on my list. And at number five, I'm always I'm always a little concerned when I go to older hotels, even though they're historic and they're great. But the Drake Hotel in Chicago is right off the Magnificent yeah. Mile. It's been exactly around for a hundred years. Uh, yep. I got to meet Bob Euchre there, which was awesome. I uh, had to, got to have a drink with Bob Euchre. Um, and I got to stay at the Drake, and my room was slick, man. We did a trade it was, with them. It was in Mission Impossible. Remember the, yes. the guy, the Peter yes. Graves character, whatever, the, the, the leader. It's a Drake Hotel, Chicago, you know, like cushy, it, it was, cushy put up. It, yeah. it was amazing. And we had an awesome, so we did a trade with radio through it. So they gave us an awesome room. It was awesome. Um, number four, like, I don't know how you people feel about this hotel because you live there. But the fact that when I walked in and there were ducks coming through a through through, oh, a, a, through, through an elevator and oh, yeah. like I, another place we had a trade with in Nashville at the radio station I worked at, so my rooms were always free. I could go on my whenever I wanted, but and we had nice rooms at the Peabody. But yeah. the Peabody man, like the the, 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 the solid, it's a solid hotel. Okay, all right. I, you know, I didn't know if it's touristy and you guys are like, oh, no, that's it's stupid. Solid. It, the, the rooms that now that they've updated the rooms are good. It's it's a good lobby bar, and the ducks are always a great, great yeah. time. And you just walk out, and you can go to Beale Street yeah. and, oh, yeah, and go yeah. to the game. So I, I got, and I always stayed there when I cover the Grizzlies. I got them at number four. Have you ever stayed at the Grand Hotel in Minneapolis? Hundred percent, loved it. Loved the the big lion when you walk in. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the athletic club that's attached with the gym down the basketball yes. court downstairs. Yeah, I, I love that because I'd stay there. The sushi bar that turns into a nightclub. Yes. Yes, dude, the Grand Hotel. It, and, you know, the reason I knew – I didn't really know about the Grand Hotel when I was in college except that somebody goes, oh, the Lakers stay there when they go. So we went down there. Yeah. We got autographs one time. And, and so when I'd come back after I left college and come back to visit, now we're four and a half hours away. Uh, I stayed there during Super Bowl week. I knew somebody got us a sure. room. It was awesome. Uh, but the Grand Hotel in Minneapolis, if you guys get a chance to stay there, a really nice beds too. I had a corner room, a great view of downtown. With the grand at number three. All right, two and one. What do you got? See, on that note, we moved from the grand to what is now Lowe's or the, it used to be the Graves. And you talk about a shower. Right across the street from mention, the Target Center. Right across from Target Center. Yeah. Six-headed shower, like three across the middle and three, two up and down on your back of your neck and the, oh, and the lower the back. Best. And then a rain part. So you had six head. Let's just say dinner was delayed by about an hour every time we landed in Minnesota because everybody was taking a 45 minutes. Their water goes outraged. We don't even stay there anymore. We stay at their new four seasons. It's beautiful. Real All quick, right, uh, the two. Graves real quick, Eric, you like this, that Graves Hotel. Uh two you could have found me on New Year's Eve 2006. I borrowed some dude's fur mink coat. And I was so drunk on New Year's Eve that, like, literally, I thought I was on top of that hotel, man. I was having the time <laughs> of my life walking around. Me, this little white dude with this, like, mink fur coat looking like I was Joe Namath back in the day, man. That's like, it was beautiful. great hotel, though. Uh, wonderful. But, and they've changed the name a couple times, but another wonderful one in Minneapolis. All right, two and one. So this was a really hard decision. And the only reason I'm going with – Two at two is because when I stay there is the weather, is the peninsula in Chicago. So right down from the Drake. Okay. The peninsula is one of the famous hotels that all the teams stay at. Phenomenal. It's a double lobby. So you go in on the ground, you get to the lobby, which is on the seventh floor. Then you go to a second elevator. That's also why I'm not a huge fan of the double elevator thing. But it is absolutely everything you could imagine. Is it. there I mean, a big the pool there? 
the yeah the bellman walk around in traditional bellman outfits yeah. and little white hats and little white uniforms and all this stuff so phenomenal uh absolutely right there by the magnificent mile walking distance everything in chicago you want to do giordano's you know all the shopping on michigan avenue whether you want to go to Lou's or you know lou malnati's or pippin's tavern you take your pick it's within a mile of there and so love the peninsula we started staying there a couple years ago and it was everything is advertised in the shower like you said shower pressure phenomenal in there yeah. uh, my favorite hotel and i found it last summer it's not even where we stay with the team when i rented my house to Mark Leishman at the time, who was on the PGA Tour, now on the Live Tour, there's the golf tournament event here in Memphis, and I live in that community. So Mark Leishman would rent my house. So obviously, I can't be here when he's renting the house. I went down to visit my mentor who was living in Miami, and I stayed at the Mandarin Oriental in Brickell Key. And when I can walk out onto my balcony and look at the Atlantic Ocean and look at the, there's a one-mile like basically walkway around Brickell Key, which is over a bridge from Mary Brickell Plaza, across the bay from South Beach. It's phenomenal. The rooms were amazing. The the hotel lobby bar, the hotel pool bar. I I literally just went. I could live here I, without a, <laughs> without a doubt. I, I if I won the lottery, I would just say, you know what? I don't even want a house. I want room whatever I was in for 365 days a year. Here's a check. Just don't let anybody check in there. I want to move my stuff in, make the bed every couple of days. <laughs> do that for me. I had a blast. And they all have little balconies and you can all see the ocean. And it is, it really was. And and I splurged a little bit because Mark had paid to use to use this place uh, a little more than I would normally budget. But I was told you'll love it. You'll never want to go anywhere. And now I'm like, okay, I got a budget. I got to find some way to make money. <laughs> I figured. I have an 11 year old who'll cut grass. He just doesn't need to know how much money he makes when he does it. <laughs> it's going to my Mandarin Oriental upgrade fund. I love um, it, man. That's amazing. I, so, <laughs> but yeah, the Mandarin Oriental Brickle Key because everything is walkable. Some of the best restaurants that I that I like in Miami are within a mile. I didn't even have a rental car. Basically, got an Uber from the airport to there, and I walked. For a week, we even went to a couple of Marlins games, which I figure out why now people don't go to Marlins games. We were walking around Brickle Key at like 11 o'clock and it's 85 degrees and there's that ocean breeze. There's a day baseball game. You're like, who in their right mind would go inside right now right. and leave this weather and watch baseball? I said, oh, yeah, me, because the Braves are in town. Yeah, no, so. no, hey, Braves fan. I love that. All right, so number yeah. two for me, and, and I haven't been back since, so I don't know what it looks like now, but the experience is why it's at number two. When Planet Hollywood was transformed on the Vegas Strip to Planet Hollywood Hotel, yeah. I stayed I stayed there the week after it was open. And yeah. I got there, and this is like 2007 or 8, something like that. And we were winning at the blackjack table, me and my buddy. We were still you know, finishing up college, but we were winning. Sure. And they thought we, we had more money than we did. Sure, and so they come, they come over to us, and they put us up in a three-room suite. Each of us, each got our own rooms. Beautiful. And it was yeah. brand new. I remember sitting, it was all-star week for baseball. And I remember sitting in a hot tub in my room, watching the all-star game, looking out at the Vegas Strip with a big steak that was comped. And I looked around, I was like, it doesn't get better in Vegas than it this, baby. It doesn't get much better than that. No. It doesn't, man. So I put that at number two. And number one, same thing. South Florida, it doesn't get better. The Marriott Har uh, Harbor Beach Resort and Spa in Fort Lauderdale 
It's yeah. probably been 10 years, maybe a little less than that since I've been there. But same thing. Got the got the balconies, went there with my wife, walk out on the beach. South Florida's gorgeous, as you know. And I like Fort Lauderdale as I got older a lot better than South Beach because I just can't hang yeah. anymore, you know? So like the relaxed. I don't nature. do the South Beach thing either. Yeah, South Beach isn't my thing. I can't that's do it. I like, that's why I like Brickle area. Yeah, man. When I was in my early 20s, I was on South Beach. In my late 20s and early 30s, find me in Fort Lauderdale. And yeah. uh, the, the Marriott uh, Harbor Beach Resort and Spa, same thing like you said, man. Five-star everything. Beautiful. Yeah. You don't want to leave. Um, gorgeous place, food. That and the, the people were wonderful to us there. We stayed there twice. That is number one. Hopefully, we find some good hotels in the future as well that we add to our list. Oh, but- I mean, like, I had to, it was hard to cut down the win in Las Vegas. I've been yes. watching it. They had is yeah. beautiful. Um, I, there's the Boca Raton Resort. It's a lot like the one you talked about. It is. I just being able to walk to the where there's a great cigar bar, a great rum bar, a great Cuban restaurant. I mean, like literally, my head was spinning. There's a mall in Brickle area where I went. I, I don't even know if I was here for two weeks if I could hit all the restaurants I want to hit. In this place. Yeah, right. so, yeah. Hopefully we'll find some new ones, but uh, I'm pretty comfortable staying there. The, the, the St. Regis in Toronto was nice too, but I'd like to be up there in the summer to really experience yes. some of the amenities of the Toronto. Because when you're there and it's February and it's negative six, you're just you're running. Trying to, you're trying to get to the next sports bar as fast as humanly possible. And you're getting into your room and getting under the covers and not really paying attention to the room much. Eric Hasseltine, voice of Memphis Grizzlies. Enjoy the finals as another page has turned here on the List Podcast, brought to you by The Man Salon. Get your haircuts there, themansalon.net, in the 605 and beyond. Eric, this was a blast, man. Thanks for spending some time with me, dude. I appreciate it. I had a great time, Jeff. Thanks for having me.